Good morning, Kids Own Kids. This month, we've been talking about how to live a life of simplicity. And what that means is, how are we going to get rid of all the stuff in our lives that takes away from our focus on God? We've looked at how to live a life of simplicity regarding time. How do we get rid of all the stuff that keeps us busy so that we can spend more time loving God and loving people? All the crying babies, it's okay. (laughs) You're okay. Even that little one over there. (laughs) Um, We've looked at how to make our identity simple by practicing the great exchange. We give God all of our bad days, right? Flip our hands up, take in his goodness, and know that you're loved by God. You are simply a child of God. And today we're going to look at how to make our friendships, how to bring simplicity to our relationships. So what I want you to think about are the closest friends in your lives, your best friends, the one, two, or three friends that you love spending time with. You can't wait to see them during recess. You want to eat lunch with them. When there's no school, you want to have play dates with them. You invite them to your birthday. I want you to think of those one, two, or three friends in your life that are really close to you. Picture them in your head. You can say their names in your head, not out loud. I see you all thinking about them. And then answer this question. Are they good to you? And if you said, yes, they're good to me, then those are the friends you want to keep in your life. But if you have certain friends in your life that make you feel sad or are hurting you, if you have friends in your life that are making you do things that you don't want to do or are getting you in trouble, then I want you to take some time today to talk to a kid's own teacher or your parent because you need to figure out what am I going to do about these people in my life and how do I make wise choices? So kid's own kids, we want you to choose those really good friends in your life, the ones that are closest to you. We want you to choose people that are going to be nice to you, that make you better people, that encourage you, that you have fun with, that you get along with. And a way that I want you to remember it is by thinking of a movie that most of you are familiar with, Cars. And the two main characters in Cars are... And his best friend... So if you ever think, if you ever wonder, well, what type of friend am am I supposed to keep in my life? Just remember, Lightning McQueen and Mater, okay? They were best friends. They had fun together. They enjoyed spending time together. When one was down, the other would lift them up. Um, they, were, they were positive um, encouragers. And then if you watch Cars 2, you'll see how <laughs> McQueen helped Mater in the end. So um, we just want to encourage all of our kids' own kids You know, we want you to make time to love God and love people. Remember you're a child of God and to choose great friends. All right, kids, we want to wish you guys great classes and we'll see you next time. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, um, both within GRX and then beyond our walls. And so just uh, appreciate Anita sharing. Some of you guys were here before when Paul Wilson shared. He's the big kahuna of the conference. He's the superintendent. He's the guy that's kind of over the whole region. But Anita is also on that, on that team. And there's a couple other just great people that are really 
for our church, really behind the scenes, but are supporting um, myself, supporting Ali, supporting other leaders um, in the area. Just wanted to let you guys know that we're a part of a bigger network. Now, if you've been here in January, you know we've been looking at simplicity, like in different ways, in different forms. Our lives feel busy. And so we're looking at January. How are ways that we can create simplicity in our lives, because sometimes life just feels too complicated. And today we're going to look at simplicity through the lens of our relationships. I was doing a little research, and I found a couple of interesting statistics here. The Pew Research Center, which is out in Washington, D.C., ran a study last year in 2014, and they were looking at sort of the complexity of relationships, but they were really looking at it from the lens of friendships. And particularly, they were studying stuff in social networking. And this is this kind of stuff that they found. They looked at uh, the complexity of relationships really within uh, the arena of Facebook. And 39% of adult Facebook users have between 1 and 100 Facebook friends. See if you find yourself anywhere within this study. They said 23% have 101 to 250 friends. About 20% of users have 250 to 500 friends. And then 15% of users have more than 500 friends. I mean, I, I, that's like, man, 500 friends. I don't even know if I know 500 people. But then what I found fascinating was they did a different kind of slant on the study, and they looked at it demographically. And as you can expect, the younger people had more friends in this kind of social networking arena. They took the median number, and if you were 18 to 29 years old, you had 300 friends. That was the median for that demographic. But if you were 30 to 49, the median was 200 friends. If you were 50 to 64, And I know we got some people out here in this demographic. You had 75 median. And then if you were 65 years or older, the median number of friends you had went down to 30. 300, 275, and 30. Now, okay, how do you interpret this? As you get older, your friends get narrower. What is going on? Okay, so sure, you could just say... It, it could have simply been because of technology, and it could have been just the interface and how people are social networking. As you're older, you don't use that. But for me, I wondered about this because as you live longer in life, you're meeting more people. But I think as you get older, and as I think as we each get older, I think what we really want in our lives is we really don't want 500 friends online. I really don't think that we're looking for kind of that kind of just sort of casual knowing. I think as we get older, the thing that we long for in our lives are relationships that are quality friendships. Relationships where we are known by other people and where other people really, really know us. People in our lives that we can go Ta-da! Here I am. Warts and all. Everything that's good about me, 
everything that's bad about me. And I think the older we get, I think the more and more we long for that. Friendships that are true, marked by love, marked by knowing, total acceptance, marked by a deep trustworthiness to be able to celebrate with people and for those people to cheer you on authentically when you succeed. I mean, I think those are the things that we want. But I think in our time and in our day, there are obstacles that lead to the kinds of friendships and the kind of simplicity that we long for in the relationships that we have. I'm going to share a couple of these obstacles, and then from that, I'm going to share about what I see in the life of Jesus to create both greater simplicity in his relationships, but also greater authenticity in his relationships. But first of all, these two obstacles. One obstacle I call the paradox of connectivity, and the second obstacle I call drift. The first obstacle, the first thing that makes our lives so complicated in our relationships is the paradox of connectivity. Our technology right now allows us to be more connected than any other generation that has ever been on the planet. Just think about this. Right now, probably in everyone's pocket or in everyone's purse, you have a device that allows you to connect to someone anywhere in the world at any time. You have that right in your pocket. You can do that. But our technology, while it connects us to people anywhere at any time, it also hampers us from connecting with the people that are immediately with us. This this is what I mean by that. How many times have you seen this in a restaurant or a cafe? And then you know where I'm going with this. Everybody is sitting at the same table, but nobody is talking to each other. Why is that? Because everybody's on their device. They're emailing somebody or they're texting somebody. They're present in body, but they're not present in relationship. And that's the paradox of connectivity I'm talking about. One way to simplify our relationships is this. Be present with the people that you're present with. Because the technology, it connects us to people far away, but it can isolate us from the people that we're right there with. So be present with the people that you're present with. It will simplify your time. It'll simplify your focus. You can put down the phone, and when it rings or it pings or it dings or it doodles or whatever your phone does with the jazzy kind of ringtone, just let it go. Just let it go. All right, you know this. Nine times out of ten, is it really that urgent? It's not. It's really not that urgent. So be present. It's a way to bring simplicity. Be present with the people that you're present with. Sometimes I'll do this, and it throws people off a little bit. When I'm meeting with somebody in my office, and the phone rings, I do not answer the phone. It just rings and rings and rings and rings and rings. It's a way to be present 
with the people that I'm present with. That's why there's a voicemail. I'm going to call that person back. It's a way to be present, and it's a way to simplify. But the second hindrance, the second thing that complicates our relational world is this thing that I'm calling drift. And it's that we drift in and out of relationships and circles of relationships. And it gets us connected to all these people. But just, we kind of drift along. Just like a leaf on a river that kind of bumps against things on the bank, our relationships, we just kind of bump in and out of relationships with people. If we're interested in bringing greater simplicity to our lives and in the whole arena of our relationships, we also need to interrupt drift and to be thoughtful and intentional. We need to evaluate our relationships and choose. We need to evaluate all the relationships we have and then choose who are we going to invest in. Now, one of the things I appreciate from Pastor Bill Hybels is he was talking about friendships. And he he offers three levels of friendships. And I'm going to offer these to us this morning as ways to evaluate the kinds of friendships that we have. And we're going to see what Jesus does in his world. But the first level of relationships Hybels talks about is, he talks about circumstantial friends. These are relationships that you have because of circumstance. They might be people that you work with or people that are, if they're your students, if you're a teacher. They might be people that you know. They might be your neighbors just because you're living close by them. And these circumstantial relationships are relationships that we just have because of proximity. But as soon as you move, out of your apartment complex or out of your condo, out of your home, and you move someplace else, those relationships and those friendships are going to fade because they're circumstantial. Someone else is going to move into that place and then they're going to be new neighbors. You're going to move to a new place and you're going to make new neighbors and new friends. These are circumstantial friendships. They're friendships, but they're because of circumstance. And then the second level are true friends for a season. And these are friendships that you have. They might span five five years, 10 years, 20 years even. But they are friends that you have, true friends that you share life with. You're intimate with, but you're sharing life with them for a season. An example of this is a church community. And you're in a small group with people. Or you are coming to GRX and you've been here for a while. Now, GRX, 15 years ago, none of us were together because GRX as a community was planted less than 15 years ago. But now, as a community, we are in a season of life where God has drawn us together to be in small groups together, to do ministry together, to go on gleanings, to serve at city team, to be in worship team together. We are together for this season, and we can praise God for that and what he's given us. Seasons, true friendships in a season. And then there's a third level of friendship. And I love this level of friendship. I think this is the deepest, most intimate level. These are your lifelong friendships. Now, here's the thing about these. They're a lot like seasonal friendships, true friends, but you never know that you're going to have a lifelong friendship 
until you get to the very end. And you look back and go, wow, I've known this person for 40 years, 45 years. We were single together, and then we were dating, we navigated that whole, I mean, whatever your life, you know, you, like you know people from a long time. We knew each other from school. And these people, these people are incredible gifts from God. Not all of us are right at the end yet, but I think even now we're building these lifelong friends. But one way to evaluate your friendships is, what what kind of friends do you have? What kind of friends are they? Are they circumstantial friends? Are they true friends, maybe for a season? Or do these people that you're with, do they have the potential to be your lifelong friends? Now what Jesus does, and in the model of Jesus Christ, he has an incredibly simple framework for who he invests in and the people that are his deep friends. And we see this in different places of scripture. You can think of it in these numbers, 72, 12, and three. You can almost imagine it like concentric circles around Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ at the middle, and this outer ring, 72, and then 12, and then three. In scripture, it tells us that Jesus had these 72 disciples. In Luke chapter 10, it talks about Jesus had this large ring of people that were following him. This group of 72 people, it's distinct from all the crowds, from all the people that just kind of wanted to know him and wanted to get close to him. Jesus picked 72 people, and out of this group of 72 people, they were the people that Jesus charged with doing his ministry. But then even in that ring of 72 people who Jesus invested in, he picked the 12. And this we see in Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read this passage to you. Hear what Jesus does. He, 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 he spends a little time praying, and then he picks his 12 closest friends, his 12 closest disciples. In these days, it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 16, in these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples, that would be that group of 72, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, I went through that list really fast, but if you were keeping score at home, that was 12 people. Jesus chose the 12, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, the 12 that would walk with him. And he chose these 12 out of a time of prayer, out of a time of evaluation, out of a time of reflection, out of a time out of conversation with God, out of the 72 people who he was also investing in, he chose this smaller group of 12 to say, hey, these are the ones, these are the guys that I'm gonna build my relationship network into. These are the guys I'm gonna pick. But even out of this set of 12, he even pulled a smaller group of people. 
And these were the people that were the three. These were the group of people named Peter, James, and John. If you know the life of Jesus, there are two critical places where these three guys walk with Jesus in a way that nobody else walked with Jesus. The first time was at the transfiguration. And this is seen in Luke chapter 8. This is when Jesus goes up onto the mountain and he gets completely revealed. It says this, now about eight days after Jesus was doing some teaching and doing some sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James. And Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of Jesus's face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men who stood with him. When I think about a desire for friendships and a desire to know people and a desire to be known. I see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus goes up onto this mountain. He doesn't take the 72. He doesn't take the 12. He takes the three, Peter, James, and John. And he goes up onto this mountain, and all of a sudden, Jesus, who he is, the Son of God, in all his glory, is completely transfigured and transformed. His clothes become dazzling white, and all of a sudden, Peter, James, and John, they see him for who he is. He is the Son of God. Jesus reveals himself and opens himself and shows himself to these three. But the other place that Jesus does this is in the Garden of Gethsemane at the very, very end of his life. We see this in Matthew 26. And I'll just tell that story. But Jesus is about to be arrested, about to go to trial, about to be crucified on the cross. He is in a time of great crisis and great struggle. He doesn't bring the 72 with him. He doesn't bring the 12 disciples with him. He brings the three. He brings Peter, James, and John. And he goes into the garden, and he goes in at night, and he says, guys, come with me, watch with me, pray with me, because I'm about to go through the biggest crisis in my whole life. That's that small group, the group of three. And I think from this, we see in Jesus Christ a model that he has this 72 and then he has this group of 12 and then he has this group of three who sees him in his greatest glory when he's greatly revealed and they see him in his greatest crisis and in his greatest trial. In a life and in a culture and in a social technological medium, where we can very easily drift between relationships here and there, I think 
that this model of this idea of 72, 12, and 3 can give us some kind of anchor points for how we might create greater simplicity among all of these people and all these relationships and all this social networking that we navigate to bring the kind of relationships that we long for where we know people and we are deeply known, where people know us in our great times and in our crisis, and people and we know them in these same times. This is how we can evaluate our relationships. We can put them through this grid of 72, 12, and three. But the hard part about it is that we're gonna need to prune. This is probably the most painful part of what I'm gonna say today. You go, if if you're thinking about this right now, you're kind of listening to me and you're thinking, okay, yeah, 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 I know where you're going with this. We're gonna prune down, I'm gonna pick some relationships. But I can't really prune, right? I mean, I really, I can't. I really can't. If we unpack that a little bit, it's gonna be painful. Because anytime we bring simplicity to our lives, anytime we become intentional, anytime we choose to invest, it means that we're going to need to make some hard choices. Some of you have met um, Evelyn's sister, Jocelyn. She came to the Christmas Eve service, um, and she was with us. But Jocelyn has this tree in her backyard, and it's this huge persimmon tree. It is really old. And it's, it was, you know, for a while... It got really, really shaggy. And it uh, produced one year something like 900 pieces of fruit. And so on the one hand, you think, wow, that is awesome. This tree put out 900 pieces of fruit. But these persimmons were like about that big. (laughs) Yeah, you had 900, but they were somewhere between like a golf ball, and maybe like a ping pong ball. (laughs) So she brings this gardener in, and this guy is a professional. And this tree's got branches everywhere and leaves, and the thing just looks like, it's just gnarly in there. It just looked like, it looked like some, like lots of creatures living in this tree. And he goes up there, and with intentionality and purpose and ruthlessness, cuts off I think probably about 50% of all this stuff that's growing up there. And this tree looks naked. (laughs) You can now see through this tree and big branches got cut off and little branches got cut off and all these leaves and it was just total wreckage. But what it did was it allowed wind to blow through and sunlight to come through And all of this gnarly, tangled stuff that was all in here got all cleared out. And then new growth came out, and new fruit came out, and the fruit was awesome. All right, you guys, you guys are smart. You guys know where I'm going with this, right? I bet if we were honest with ourselves and you looked at the relationships that you had, 
there would probably be some relationships in your world that you're like, you know what? I could really prune these. Maybe there are relationships in your life that you feel kind of obligated towards, but really, if you look at it, they're just kind of dragging you down. And you're like, I'm spending too much time there. Maybe it's time to prune. Here's an activity that you can do. If you're in a small group, I also put this in the small group materials. But there's an activity that you can do. You can get a piece of paper, or you can get a spreadsheet, and you can put these columns across the top. You can five columns. On the top of one, you put 72, and then you put 12, and you put three. And then you put two more columns. You can put distant and then potential. There's an activity that you can do. In your 72 column, you list all the names of your people that you are friends with. These might be your circumstantial friends. These might be your neighbors. These might be like the 72. Who's in that group? It might be 50 people. It might be 100 people. It might be 150 people. But you put those all in your 72 list. And then you move across your list of 12. Who are these people in that list? Who are the people that you've chosen intentionally to invest in? And then in your next column, you put your, your, your three. Who are the people that you're like, man, these are my people. In time of crisis, this is who I'm calling. Man, when I get that promotion, this is the person I'm going to share this with. Who, you know, they're not going to get hung up on like, oh, he's being prideful or anything. No, these are the people that super rejoice in you. They love you. They're your three. Put those people down. Who are the people in those categories, 72, 12, and 3? Then there's another category that you can put down. Distant. I think in the reality of our world, we have people that we're friends with, but they're far away from us. They've moved out of the area, or we've moved away. These are people in this column that they would be your group of 12 or even your three if they lived close by. But you put them down here, they're valuable to you, but know if you're going to invest in them, it's going to take more energy. And then your potential. Who are people that you go, man, these are the people that I would really like to invest in if I just pruned a few other people? You put that out, and then you evaluate. You pray. You say, God, who are the people that you want me to pour my life into? Who are the people that you are drawing into my life and who I am being drawn into their life? God, this is the hard prayer. Who do you want me to prune? Who do you want me to prune? And that's the hard thing. Bring that before God and choose. And that is the kind of life that will bring greater simplicity to our lives. Removing some of those people that maybe just aren't so great and then focusing in on the people that God is really drawing us to. You think, man, how are we going to do this, man? This feels so impossible. But it's needed. We need to do this. Otherwise, we're just going to live a life of drift, and we're going to spread our relationship capital 
among too many people and our lives in the end are gonna live dissipated. And when I look at this, Jesus, he's the son of God. He did this too. Jesus did this too. He chose his 72. Jesus chose his 12. And Jesus chose his three. And he's the son of God. Now, I know I'm a lot more limited than that. If I'm gonna bring simplicity in my life, focus relationships and kind of have the relationships that I really long for, I'm gonna need to bring simplicity there. And I hope out of this, you'll be able to be able to bring some simplicity to your life too. I know this is hard. There's other stuff connected with this. If you guys wanna talk more about this, I'd be happy to just engage this more with you on a personal level. Maybe you got something particularly in your life and you go, man, I don't know how to navigate this relationship. I'd be happy especially after service or maybe over coffee, we can talk through it and say, how do we do this? How do we bring simplicity to our lives relationally? All right, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, man, there were a lot of people in your world that wanted your time and that wanted your attention, that wanted to be connected to you. But God, somehow you chose And you said, man, these are the people that I'm gonna spend time with. God, I pray that you would release us as people to have the kind of quality relationships that I think deep down we all long for. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to have the kinds of conversations that we need to have. God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the insight and the wisdom to say, hey, these are the relationships that we're gonna invest in and maybe these are the relationships that we're gonna prune. So God, I give you thanks that in all of this, we can trust you to lead us and guide us and lead us to those places that bring us life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.